is the Starting Why Podcast. Here we ask entrepreneurs, actors, investors, innovative, and artists on the why. Why they are doing what they are doing, what motivates and drives them, and why can't they stop. We will start in five, four, three, two, one. Hey guys, welcome back. This is Joe from Starting Why, and today I have a guest here with me. Hey Mitch, how you doing? Hey Joe, I'm well, thank you. That is pretty good. And you are joining us from sunny New Mexico. I am. And it is sunny today. We had snow two days ago, but today is sunny. Tomorrow will be even warmer and more sunny. So I'm happy about that. Yeah, it's a good day. Oh, you're one of those guys from New Mexico who even knows that snow exists. Yes, I am. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Just one question before we get into serious stuff. You're living there on high altitude or was it just that there was just a lot of snow everywhere? So it's high altitude compared to many other people. The town I'm in, we're about 4,300 feet. But there are parts of New Mexico that get you know up above 12,000. I was not up there. I'm sure they got a ton of snow at 12,000 feet. But yeah, I'm, I'm at a decently high altitude, actually. Yeah, I see. And today you are our guest at Starting Why because you can tell us a lot about hiring people, right? Be before that, tell us a little bit where you're coming from, how you make your living and why you and me are talking about how to hire maybe your first, maybe your second or all of your employees at a startup. Yes. So my background, I, I have a very vast background as far as career-wise, but I've spent Oh, gosh, I guess about 15 years as an entrepreneur. That's everything from nonprofit work to startups to multi-million dollar businesses to failing businesses. So I've had the experience of everything in between for the most part. I've had over 5,000 employees in my professional career. So I've pretty much been in smaller businesses most of my career. But so for that, you know, having, having over 5,000 employees is quite a few. I've done well over 10,000 interviews. And so I've learned a lot through mistakes and I've learned a lot through successes. And really what I've done the last five years is taken all of that experience and uh, shaped a, a consulting business where I work mostly with small business leaders on recruiting and hiring and development and culture design. And I really do love working with startup leaders because, you know, people that are just starting their business because they're building from the ground up. And what I found in business is that so many people, especially in startups, they miss some really critical uh, elements of recruiting and hiring and culture design from the beginning. And so they get the business going and they start it. And the next thing they know, they're needing to grow their team. They're needing to hire people, but they haven't designed a structure or a culture that's ready to hire. And so um, what I do when I work with, uh, with leaders that are, that are building a startup is begin designing culture and learning to hire from the beginning rather than waiting until you need it. It's, it's kind of that old adage that you should be building as one person like you're building for a hundred. And that's an element that many people miss. And so that's what I do. I'm, I'm a, a leadership and personal development consultant, and I help leaders uh, do exactly what we're about to talk about. So before we get into what we want to talk about, like hiring, hiring strategies, uh, setting up recruiting, I was wondering why small businesses? Number one, because I love small business. It's, you know, about 97% of the world economy is small business. 
And so many people, especially in, in America where I am, small businesses considered 30 million or less in revenue, teams of 500 or less. Actually, about 95% of those are teams of 100 or less and about 15 million in revenue or less. And so when you really start looking at the businesses that exist across the world, the businesses that most people build and work for, the businesses that really drive the world economy, it is small business. And that's really how economics and society and culture and the marketplace is shaped. They're shaped through the mom and pop shops. They're shaped through the small businesses, maybe with two or three locations. They're shaped through those businesses that do 15 to 25 million or less. And so not only do I love small business, it's the majority of the makeup of the economy of the world. And number three, you know, small businesses are, are much more tangible to work with. In other words, when you try and work with corporations, you often don't get to talk to the decision makers. There's a lot of red tape to cut through. Whereas as a consultant, when you deal with small businesses, you can often talk to the owner. You can talk to the person that makes the decisions. And that's where real supplemental change can be made is when you get to deal with the people that make the decisions on a day in and day out basis. And that just happens so much easier in the small business world. I understand. That's also one of the reasons I also love to work with startups and yeah, small to medium-sized businesses. I do feel the sweet spot for my client is 500 employees and below. Yes, I 100% agree. Yeah. Okay. And you said you have experience as an entrepreneur. I would be curious when you now go back in time, like and to the point where you started as an entrepreneur, what would be the biggest hints you would give yourself in terms of hiring people for those businesses? The first piece of advice I would give is, is be proactive. So don't just wait on people to find you, but actually be proactive in finding the people that are a fit for your organization, that are the right people for your organization. And by that, what I mean is they align with the mis mission, vision, values, and culture of the business that you're beginning. So many times people hire out of desperation, especially when you're creating a startup. It's like, oh my gosh, I'm starting this business and now I need to hire people. And so they just kind of take who comes their way. And there are strategies you can use to be much more proactive and more engaging in ensuring that you hire the people that are a best fit. You know, you don't just have to settle on anyone. You don't have to hang a sign in the door or post on social media. You can actually recruit and hire people without ever using any of the traditional forms of recruiting. But you have to be proactive and engaging in that process and strategy. So the first thing would be be proactive. The second thing would be actually have a plan. <laughs> and that's where so many people miss it. And I did early on is I didn't have a plan for consistently and constantly recruiting. I just kind of depended on what everyone else said I should be doing. And when you use the system everyone else is using, you're going to get the same results everyone else is getting. And currently in our economy right now, in the hiring world, people are not getting good results and they're very frustrated. So you have to try things differently. You have to have a different strategy and a different plan. And so it would be be proactive and to have a specific strategy so you know who you're recruiting, who you need to hire, and then what they will do once they are hired. And 
how you're going to develop them to grow. That's something that I believe a lot of small business leaders miss, and I missed it again early on, is not having a plan of development for their people. And so it's really those elements of strategy all the way through and being proactive. Those would be the two top pieces of advice I would definitely give myself. Before we get into the question I want to ask you is, I have one observation here that fits pretty well in what you're saying, because I have the feeling that a lot of people, a lot of people in charge of hiring, they just take the model they get from somewhere and apply it one-on-one because they don't want to think about how is my organization developing? What would I need to do? What are the steps I need to take? They're just thinking, well, one size fits all. X and Y is working with that. Why should it work for me? And the question I have here, the first one, when you're talking about being proactive, when I now think about what some of my former employees, employers are doing, how some of my employees found the company, it was basically they make the usual posting on their website. And when you talk about being proactive, they basically shared it on Twitter and Facebook. Right, right. What is being proactive for you here? So that, first of all, thank you for asking that question. And, and I would agree with you. And it's not just with hiring. Most people step into a leadership position and they're just taking with them what, well, like you said, what they've been given, whether it's hiring or development or systems or whatever. And so, yes, when many people are leaving a business or a corporation to start their own business, they're just kind of copycatting what they know. That also happens inside of corporations is that the reality of all of this is, Joe, most people aren't taught how to lead. Most people aren't taught how to recruit or how to develop or how to hire or how to interview. They're just, it's just kind of a gamble and they're just using what they know. And so we can't fault people for that. And so I do agree with you. That's a great observation. Proactive for me means what I like to call lifestyle recruiting. And I love teaching this method to small business owners and startup founders because it's a very simple method that they can use beginning today. And basically what I mean by lifestyle recruiting is everyone goes shopping, everyone socializes either on social media or in real life. Everyone goes and gets a cup of coffee. Everyone goes to events. In other words, we're always engaging with other people. Now, over the last couple of years, that was done more virtually, but we were still engaging with people. And lifestyle recruiting means I am always aware of who I'm engaging with. And whenever I meet someone that intrigues me or I think could be a great fit for my company, I simply ask them a question. Are you looking for an opportunity or is someone you know looking for an opportunity? And so the great thing is when I do that, I actually keep a notebook and I'm not recruiting a team right now, but I do this so I can show others how. But I keep a notebook every day when I go out and I write down names of people I meet, names of people I would recruit for my team. And I find at least five people a day, five to six days a week that I would either recruit or ask them if they know someone who's looking for an opportunity. And so that's what I mean by proactive. And that's an approach that very few people use, but it's an approach that over the years, I have found thousands of great employees that way. 
because when you when you're at the coffee shop and you're talking to the barista and you get to see their work ethic, you get to see how they engage with other employees, you get to see how they engage with customers. And so you're not depending on a resume or an application for that. You're actually seeing it firsthand. And you can do that virtually as well as you're having meetings or engaging with people on social media. You can begin to see how you engage with them, their personality type, their work ethic, what they could bring to the table. And so when I say proactive, what I mean is every single day when I'm out and about, I'm building my business and building my business means building my team. And so I'm always looking for an opportunity to recruit someone. I'm always looking for an opportunity to invite someone to do business with me. And so we can't separate this whole, you know, my work day ends at a certain time. I'm not going to think about it. You can't build sustainable business that way. You, you kind of have to always be engaged. It's a lifestyle. It's not, you're not overworking yourself, but it's just a lifestyle where you're always looking for that opportunity. And so, you know, you also have the tools of social media, you know, third party websites and applications that you can use to recruit. You can still use those, but as a small business and the the smaller number of employees you have, the more hand selected those should be. So if I have a team of 20 people, 19 of those I should recruit personally or my team should because I want to control who I hire, who comes into my team. And so I'm not so dependent on the other tools when I'm a small business leader or a startup, especially if I'm a startup, I'm hand selecting everyone. I'm not depending on someone else to make those hires for me because it is so critical that you get those hires right. Lee, that is, when you've been talking about that, that reminded me of, you could say, the corporate way to do hiring, basically kind of an Excel sheet mentality. Basically, you have an Excel sheet and you check all the boxes that everybody should do. And then you say, oh, no results. Well, that is pretty unfortunate. But I did everything everybody told me to. So they don't think for themselves and they don't see it from the perspective of your potential employees. There's, for example, something I actually funny thing I discussed with my dentist because she wants to have more professional clients because she has to be with her family in the morning. And then she, she starts working in the afternoon, but until uh, late in the evening. So basically that are, so to say, the opening hours. So she wants to have people who appreciate that and who come in late, not the people asking for the first appointment at 7 or 8 a.m. And so I started thought experiment together with her. Where are those people? They're likely in consulting, they're likely in auditing and banking and so on and so forth. And we actually came up with an idea to have posters in the elevators of the respective buildings here in Frankfurt. So actually, the people could find her, uh, like doing the right stuff. Of course, there are always limits on what they could do, on what they could inform on in the German law. But that was basically how this thought process works. For example, I've also seen on a lot of meetups here in Germany, in Frankfurt, in Berlin, in Munich, where I am, if they're very technical, there's a lot of people walking around with hoodies. On the front, they have the logo of their startup. And in the, on the back, we are hiring. That's also an approach to be proactive because when you've been talking about the barista, I was thinking, where would I find a good coder? And then I thought, huh, I've seen that with the uh, tech meetup. So that's basically the thing I would be thinking about 
to be proactive, especially go where your potential employees would be going. And if you have no idea where your potential employees would be going, you have no idea whom you would need to hire. That's exactly right. And I love the question you ask because that, that's an exact question that I teach leaders to begin asking is, okay, where do I find them? <laughs> and so your example is the perfect example. And, and I love that idea of the dentist going to where the people are going. But to back up, you do need to know who fits your team, why do they fit your team, and where do you find those people? And so what I encourage people to do is just like they would for marketing for a product, they would develop their perfect customer persona. They would develop their imaginary customer so they know how to build the product. You use the same tactic when you're talking about building a team. You know, what does my perfect team member look like? What's their work ethic? What's their personality? You know, what hobbies do they have? Where do they hang out? What books do they read? What movies do they watch? And for your team, you're going to obviously have different personas. But to really help someone get going, if you can develop what you want that person, how you want them to come into work every day, how you want them to live and exist while they're working, what type of customer service do you want them to give, et cetera, et cetera. When you can build that persona and identify even like you just did, you need someone to do code. So that gives you a clue of where to go find that person. And it's just a much better tactic than just throwing it out on social media or a third-party app and hoping for the best. Because what we're seeing is that just doesn't work. You know, Joe, it costs a small business about $4,000 to hire a new person. When you put in effort, time, you know, energy, resources, etc., and so we also know that most people get it right maybe 30% of the time. I mean, turnover for most small businesses is 70 to 80%. And so when we use the tactics that you and I are discussing, you can actually raise that success rate to 80 to 90%. You can get it right eight out of 10 times easily. But you know who you're looking for, you know what you need, and then you just have to figure out where do I find those people? And that's where that networking can come into play. It's where getting out and meeting new people going to events like you talked about. That's where those things can be really, really uh, important. And the other thing I want to add, Joe, a, another great strategy on top of that is don't be afraid to ask people around you, hey, do you know someone who's really good at this job? Or do you know someone who has a great personality? Do you know someone who's looking for an opportunity? You know, it's amazing how many people around us actually have a referral ready to give us, but we never ask. And so just through those few strategies alone, someone running a team of 30 or 40 people can easily go recruit the majority of their team. Actually, I have been smiling. I'm a business person through and through because I was thinking, huh, if I would have now a blueprint for refer a friend, a program you can set up that fits into your compliance, I would make it available for purchase here. That would be an amazing business opportunity. <laughs> But it really is. That is kind of the programs you're going for, right? It's refer a friend, ask your employees to refer people they know, they trust. Yes, ask your best employees. I would add that. <laughs> so, so, yes, your best employees that you build, ask them. Because I have a saying, and, and for some it may not translate well, but birds of a feather flock together. So, in other words, 
if you have a really, really good employee, they're going to know other people who are going to be really good employees. And so for a startup, you know, some startups have a really great budget. Some startups don't. Sometimes they're on a smaller scale budget wise. No matter where your scale is budget wise, your referral program could be simply, hey, I'm going to buy you a cup of coffee or, you know, give you a small gift card to a restaurant. It doesn't have to be you know, exuberant and some grandiose idea. It could be really small because people really appreciate those small gifts and tokens. And I'll tell you, Joe, one of the best ways you can appreciate people is to write them a thank you card. Just do something small that no one else is doing that might be a bit traditional, you know, years ago, but just do those small things that make you stand out. So it could be a small gift card to a restaurant or a coffee shop or a bookshop or you know, whatever that looks like. It doesn't have to be something massive. I have a very nice story for that. I do have a certificate of appreciation here on one of my walls where you can see it from the webcam where people usually see me through on my other podcast. But I was proud as hell when I got that and it was just uh, for some work I did while I was undergraduate student for working on campus. Big mental high five to Midwestern State University here. And those people, they really made me happy just with a piece of paper. And I still have it here on my wall. Yeah. And how many years ago was that, Joe? I graduated more than 15 years ago. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's the point, right? Like I still have a folder of cards that people have given me over the years. I have a couple of certificates of appreciation from even 20 years ago. And so we're really proving the point that if someone refers an employee to you, it doesn't have to be something large or even cost that much money. Just it's the act of appreciating what they've done for you that really matters. And so, yes, someone can implement that today. I would add here, if your competition is paying 2000 US dollars for everyone who uh, that refers a new employee to them and you are not doing it, that is usually a bad idea so also look what your competition is doing a uh, plus it's always 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 a good idea to keep everything positive about you like you said all the certificates of appreciation the thank you cards i i for example keep all my uh, birthday cards because just having them here having like a big stack of birthday cards from people who really like you is always a good thing when you're down just looking at it so that's a good hint. Okay, now we have this person. Now we get to the point where we decide if we want to interview this person or we don't. What should be the strategy before we even take every employee or potential employee into an interview? So I have a bit of a different rule on interviewing, and it's definitely very different from the corporate scene. My rule is if you're going to recruit someone and tell them that you may have an opportunity. So let's say I meet you and I see you working. And I really like your personality. Hey, Joe, are you looking for an opportunity? And you tell me yes. Then my response would be, well, hey, I'm always looking to add to my team. I'd love to sit down and visit with you about that opportunity. No promises, but I would love to have that conversation. Are you open to that? And let's say you say yes again. I now actually believe I've entered the interview process. In other words, I've already been interviewing you by watching you and experiencing you. And so in that scenario, if I recruit someone, I'm always going to give them a further interview every time because I'm building relationships. 
And so I've already told you that this may not work out. I may have an opportunity. We're going to do an interview and see how it goes. And at the end of that interview, we may come to the conclusion that it's not going to be a fit. And so then my responsibility is to continue growing that relationship. Because if I'm not going to recruit you as, a, as an employee, then I definitely want to recruit you as a potential customer. And so I'm always recruiting employees or I'm always recruiting customers, sometimes both. And so when you look at it from that perspective, I believe if I put in the time to recruit you, I owe you the respect of an interview. Now, let's say someone refers someone to us. So we've not recruited them. They're a referral. I also believe that I'm going to give that referral an interview because I owe it to the person that made the referral. Now, when I say interviewing, what I'm talking is a five to 10 minute conversation at best. It doesn't take long. And within those few minutes, I can gauge if I'm going to take this further. I actually think the interview process is blown way out of proportion. I think people ask far too many questions. I think they ask questions that don't relate in any way possible to the job or to what's at hand. But we're interviewing the person for their humanity, not for the job. Now, sometimes in the technical world, it can be a little bit different because we need them to know certain things. But for the most part, we still have to make sure we're getting the right person. You can interview the most talented coder in the world, but if they're not a fit for your team, you're not going to hire them. Because it's just never going to work. And so you're always interviewing for their humanity first, then the job second. And so I actually believe that anyone you recruit or is referred to, you, give them at least a five-minute interview, make it a conversation, just learn more about them, and then decide if you're going to go further from there. Then you can maybe dig more into how this could be a fit. And that's really my approach. And for small businesses, you know, teams of 100 or less especially, they can do that pretty easily. And it doesn't take a lot of time. I talk to a lot of leaders and they're like, wow, Mitch, I don't have time for that. But my rebuttal is, but you don't have time to not do it because this is the way you build a really strong team. And what leaders really need to understand is if they put time into building their team and hiring the right people, many of their other issues will be taken care of. And so it actually creates more time for them by hiring the right people. So that's my approach on the interview process. Someone can take that and adapt it a little bit. I just believe where I learned that, Joe, is I used to work for a company and we had a, a, an unwritten rule. And the unwritten rule, it was a retail company. The unwritten rule was we interviewed every single person that put in an application. That was the unwritten rule. And so I would do up to 10 interviews a day, a day. There were 30 seconds to a minute. And within that 30 seconds to a minute, I could get it right nine out of 10 times every single time. But the best thing was, I wasn't just interviewing the person who applied, I was interviewing them to hopefully convert them into a customer. And so I actually grew my business by doing all of those interviews. And I think people miss out on those opportunities. I was actually going a little bit more for when I was asking you, I, I was actually going a little bit more on for the idea, what strategy should you put in place as a startup founder, as the owner of an SME, before you even do the interviews, doing the thinking work up front, build the framework of how recruiting is done in the company. And by the way, I would also strongly recommend to treat all the people you have in a job interview, 
as potential customers because especially when I was in consulting and I was interviewing people, that was a point where you knew either you hire this person or he will be hired by a competitor or worst case, he will be hired by one of your clients and you've been really mean to this person in the interview and a few years back, he is your boss in a project. You never, never want that to happen, right? Right. Yes, that's exactly right. And, and thank you for reframing that question. Yeah. So let's back up a little bit and talk about just the, you know, let's say they've recruited that person and we've talked about strategies for recruiting. Let's clarify maybe some questions that they could ask in the interview. Would that help, Joe? Or, or would you like yeah, to go sure. a different direction? Yeah. So, so let's start there. I like to keep it simple. I'll tell you an experience I had. <laughs> I was applying for a government job uh, years ago and I went into the room and uh, to interview for this position. And I think if I remember properly, there was a team of about six or eight people doing the interview. And so they all had their preconceived planned questions and they just went around the table. And a lot of people I know have experienced this. It's a very kind of corporate approach to interviewing, but they just went around the table and asked their question. And in about 10 minutes within the interview, I noticed that no one had looked up because they were all so focused on their question and on writing down my responses that they weren't actually engaging in conversation. And so I actually said in this interview, I said, could everyone please put your pencils down and pay attention? Now, I'm a bold person, Joe, so I don't mind saying things like that. <laughs> and I said in the interview, I said, could everyone please put their pencils down and pay attention? You're not listening to what I'm actually saying. And they kind of looked at me like, who is this guy, you know, coming in and asking us to do that? And I said, I would appreciate the respect that you actually engage in the conversation. If you can't recall without writing down what I say, then I'm not impressive enough to hire. So the interview went on for about another 45 minutes and I got the job. And <laughs> later on, I asked the, uh, the leader of that organization, I said, you know, what was one thing in the interview that stuck out? And he said, in all my years of doing this, I've never had someone stop an interview like that ever. And what that showed me is, is that number one, you wanted engagement. Number two, you were a leader. And I did it, of course, in a respectful way. My point to that story is I'm not big on having a group of people do the interview. I think it's intimidating for the person. Uh, I think it's really uncomfortable. If you're going to have a group of people, maybe your leadership team do the interview, make sure that everyone is engaging. Make sure that you make it as relaxing as possible. Make it fun. Make it enjoyable. And like you just said, if you don't hire this person, you're definitely recruiting a customer. And so from a framework standpoint, make a decision of, first of all, how you're going to do the interview. Is it just going to be you? Is it going to be you and a couple of leaders? And then really coach your leaders on the atmosphere you want to create. I would actually advise you have a two-stage of the interview that you do the first part of the interview, maybe at a more comfortable location off-site, maybe at a coffee shop or something if possible, and then do the second part of the interview actually on-site if you decide you're going to move forward with this person. That just makes it a little more engaging and a little more comfortable. I'm really simple when it comes to asking questions. Everyone is going to tell you a story. One of my favorite statements to make to open an interview is, hey, Joe, tell me a little bit more about yourself. And then just sit back and let them tell the story. 
A few things I've learned over the years is some people will jump right in and they'll tell you their whole life story and their their work history, and they'll really kind of bring back their resume and application verbally. And, and that's a good thing. Some people will say, well, what do you mean? And that gives you a little bit of a sign. Is this person an independent thinker? Do they take initiative or am I going to have to tell them every time they need something that I need something done? And then if someone's telling you the story, just listen, you know, someone's telling you their work history about an experience. And then that makes you think of a question, then ask that question. And so start with, tell me a little bit more about yourself. Go to from that standpoint. So what made you want to, you know, intrigued you about this position? If you recruited them, obviously you're intrigued with them. But what really intrigued them about working for your company? What intrigued them about yourself? What made them curious about this opportunity? What are some of their work experiences they've had? And even questions like, you know, what's a moment in life, not work, but in life that you faced a challenge and you were able to overcome that? What's a moment that someone helped you? So really, you're trying to ask questions that are going to bring out, again, that human side of that potential employee. The work stuff will take care of itself. But yes, have a plan somewhat of going in of, of A, what type of environment you're going to create, and then B, how you're going to carry the conversation. I love a conversational approach to an interview process. I think having preconceived questions and just working down the list and that very corporate feel, I think that's actually very inhumane and it doesn't engage the conversation. And so be very cognizant of, of that approach as you're kind of looking at the interview process. And if you have somebody who's actually telling you a very interesting, very entertaining story, if you just ask them, tell me a little bit about yourself, you know you have a people you can send to do podcasts on behalf of your company. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's exactly right. They're telling you a story, right? And so listening to that story matters. And it's, you know, that's what I've learned over the years, Joe, and all the interviews I've done. That one statement alone, hey, tell me a little bit about yourself. And they go on for 10 minutes. That, that's actually a really good thing. They're conversational. They're engaging. Unless it's dramatic. Some people can be dramatic. But there, there are some things and signs that you can watch throughout that conversation. Let us take a short break here and get back to our conversation in the next episode and talk about the thought process you have to put in in order to do really sustainable recruiting, talk about the strategy behind it, uh, how you decide what positions to recruit in our next episode. So far, Mitch, thank you very much. It was a pleasure having you as guest. Thanks, Joe.